Hey, this is Kicking Dirt with Mike and Adam. Today is uh, the 22nd May. of May. Holy cow. Yep. One more week. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's hard to imagine that already. I know. I'm looking around and, and I, it, it's kind of crazy the way that the season had gone. It, it We started off pretty good around Easter. The weather was nice. Guys got uh, started planting for the most part, but we got we got gun shy based off of what we've seen the last couple years and delayed some planning. And so now we've got guys still trying to finish up planning. We've got some V3 corn. We've got beans that are first trifoliate. It is just nuts when you're driving around. We're thinking about, okay, now the weather's straightening out a little. Let's go spray. And we still got guys mm -hmm. planting. I don't know, man. It's been a crazy yeah. year. But I say that every spring. It's like, this is crazy. Yeah, it's been kind of nice. I know not every day has been calm, but we've had more calm days than we've had in the past which just makes it nice for getting these fields sprayed with some herbicide and and uh getting some windows in there and like you said the crop planting's been spread out a little enough that a guy's probably not going to get blasted with everything's ready right now to be sprayed so it'll spread that out a little bit too the funny thing is you talk about calm like it's been calm for a little bit but i swear to god april by far had to be oh. the record's windiest april it just wasn't it, maybe as intense as it was for multiple days like we had in 2021 or 2022 excuse me but the entire month blew right yeah yeah or am i am mm -hmm. i not thinking right it had to Anybody be a that follows me on twitter sees i hate wind a lot on my tweets <laughs> i hate wind yeah <laughs> um, i know my retirement plan is uh <laughs> when we when we get through the end of this podcast today, everybody will know that when I retire, I'm moving, I'm researching to find the location on Earth that has the least amount of wind, and that is where I'm moving to. I don't even care where it's at. That's just where I'm going. So, but let's, have a, let's kick off the show. <laughs> yeah, we have Don Day with Day Weathers back on with us today, Adam, and uh, he's, we're going to talk a little bit about, we talked to Don earlier in the year, and we talked about what we could expect this next few months in 2023 and uh we're just going to kind of get an update of where we think things are going so yeah Don, good morning, how are you Don? doing hey well i'm doing good i was just listening to your wind conversation there like i live in wyoming so i'm like what are you guys <laughs> complaining about i know Jeez. i know wyoming wind, wind is wind. <laughs> i've been snowed in in wyoming when it wasn't even snowing it was just a ground blizzard <laughs> Yeah, well, this this uh, this kind of marks that uh, this is something I I really appreciate this and, and you coming back on, Don, because it was about six months ago, you know, so almost a half a year ago. I think it was the first week of November, maybe when we had you on the show last and and it was really good. We were finishing harvest and we were talking a lot about the weather trends of what we saw through 2022 and maybe what to expect going through the winter and then Q1 of 2023. And man, we got you back on. So uh, glad to have you on here and let's let's cuss and discuss about what the weather was over the winter and how it's going to impact here this early spring into midsummer. Sure. I mean, if we were to do a quick recap on 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 the winter season, you know, there's there's two things, two big things that really came out of this winter. If we were to look for the at the at the central and, and parts of the western United States, first of all, if you look at temperatures from December 1 through, well, all the way up through the end of April. Uh, it was a colder than average winter on the whole uh, for most of the northern, central, western plains region. Um, some areas had one of the coldest winters on record. Um, 
uh, not very far to, to the West. And uh, that was also combined with um, what we saw, if anybody was following the weather and the news, you know, just the tremendous amount of snow that fell in the Sierra Nevada of California. I mean, all time record since they've been measuring snow there, um, just tremendous amount of, uh, of snow in, into the Rockies. But then you got east of the divide and you got east of the Rockies. It was just very difficult for a good part of winter and up until recently to really get any moisture to come over the divide. And, and that is something that uh, we had probably discussed back in November, where that is something that does happen when you're in that La Nina phase where getting things east of the divide is, is hard to do. And also it's, it's a wind signal as well. But something interesting happened um, right as we got into late January and in early February, that really strong La Nina, those cold subtropical waters in the Pacific started to change. They started to get warmer. And really since then, it's been a changing Pacific and it took a while. But some of those changes as we transition out of La Nina um, has finally brought some changing conditions that are certainly different now than they were a year ago. Yeah, you could, it was getting pretty dire in April in our footprint, you know, just haven't had any moisture. Farmers are planting in dust and um, it was just nerve wracking, even for the ranchers, there's no grass growing. And, and then, uh, you know, a lot of areas, not everyone has been pretty sp uh, spotty, but uh, we've had some really good rains. I know, especially so, in the western part of the state. So, so are the are the I haven't been following it here over the last couple of weeks, but are the temperatures finally changing in that southern Pacific? Because I noticed off the coast of California, those waters got real cold. But is the deep Pacific, the southern Pacific, changing finally? Yeah, and and changing pretty pretty quickly. And and the thing is, there's always a delayed response. And the thing is, is those changes that started to happen in late January and early February. They continue into March and April. It doesn't mean an immediate change in the weather. Uh, it takes a bit. So the rains that have fallen here uh, in the month of May, and you know, he had mentioned western areas in Nebraska. I mean, there were areas that got over seven inches of rain in a week um, yeah. that hadn't seen anything close to that in you know two or three years. So the response to those changes uh, sometimes is four to six weeks before you see the weather patterns really start to kick into gear. And that's what that's basically the reason why. And, and, and the thing is, is that there's a lot in the media right now about El Nino coming on. And some people have the perception that we were in an El Nino as we got into spring, which is like, well, where's our spring El Nino moisture? But timing is critical. So we really need to be in a, a, a solid El Nino phase heading into spring, not starting one going into spring to get the best precipitation. So that's kind of where we're at, where the timing hasn't been just right for a lot of the Western High Plains, a lot of the, uh, the, the Western and Northwest Corn Belt areas to really benefit from the burgeoning El Nino. It's starting, but we're probably looking at that really good year of moisture being next spring. So we're in this transition period. We're kind of, we call it La Nada. We're not El Nino, we're not La Nina, we're, we're in between. And in between is better than being in a La Nina, but yeah, we're not as good as we get in an El Nino. 
Well, that's what I wanted to follow up with because I was going back and listening to that podcast. And I know we all giggled about that when you brought that up because I'd never heard that before either. The La Nada. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, that's a, we've repeated that a few times, haven't yeah, we? We just say it all winter now like we're, you know, climatologists experts. and experts. <laughs> we're like, I think we're going to go to La Nada, you know. So <laughs> so what, I, what I've noticed with that, though, it, it, well, do you think that will hang on for a while in this kind of neutral phase? Or you were talking about you can see that the temperature's changing fairly quickly. And if they are changing quickly, could we could we see late season precipitation in the Western High Plains then? Because the, one thing I noticed this spring is we had a lot of sporadic kind of weather events already kind of, you know, shooting through a couple of tornadoes uh, across the state of Nebraska already, you know, lots of hail in, in these isolated storms, uh, but it's very sporadic. But I mean, as you move east, it seems super sporadic and still dry. Right. Well, the the you will definitely see that that you get more consistent patterns when the El Nino is in full gear, meaning it's fully across the Pacific. And what we are at right now is we're looking at the official designation of an El Nino, probably happening. You know, what I'm thinking is 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 August or September. Um, and then you're going to have probably seven or eight months where it's going to be reaching its peak. Um, and then as we get into, let's say the, let's say after the first quarter of 2024, it'll, that's kind of the, the point where we can't really see much past it, but odds are that we would, we would not quickly revert back to a La Nina, but basically stay in a, let's say a weak El Nino status is kind of my guess. Um, but you need the you need some consistency. You need those Pacific waters to consistently be warmer for several months to build into that more consistent rain pattern that you're kind of indicating there that you want to see. But it's it's next season that that we're most likely to see that. And I would say the next season starts uh, late this fall. So this this would be probably October to, let's say, May of next year. Oh so, man! Don, when 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 you seen the weather in California, they just got feet of snow. It just was pumping moisture into California and in the western part of the United States, and then coming across. and And now we've seen you know Wyoming and western Nebraska getting more rain. Is that the the gradual movement across? Is that what we're expecting, or is that just the part of the sporadic part of it? It's really not in full blown El Nino yet. Yeah, I think that the, the latter is the best way to describe it. It's 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 in response. I mean, that that May storm that we saw that brought those heavier rains is a more, let's say, typical May event when you're not in a strong La Nina, uh, if that if that makes sense. Yeah. So if, if you go back and look at the, the last three Mays before this one, especially the two preceding this one, I mean, this fell way short. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about wind there at the beginning, but, you know, the windstorms of March and April of 2022 were just hellacious, um, you know, and, and that was that was because of the fully formed La Nina. But so we had some wind, as you mentioned, in April, and then we started to see the precipitation finally show up in May. But if you want consistency, um, the problem is, is we're kind of at the tail end of where you're getting that those consistent slower moving spring storms that's why not having a fully formed el nino this year is going to give us kind of a um you know using 
the the analogy of you know a shotgun blast you know it's it's you know the the pellets spread out unevenly at a distance after a while that's kind of how it's going to be and i and i do expect that there are going to be parts of the corn belt um not widespread but parts of the corn belt that are going to be dry i think this summer um and i think it's going to be more towards the eastern and central areas of the corn belt in terms of relative to average so some of those dry areas you see there i think are a little bit concerning i think in, in yeah. the western part of the corn belt i do see enough shower and thunderstorm activity especially in the month of june um we don't see a really hot dry signal in june um so so i so it's like a you know my my phrase this year is is better but not great yeah well and i think if we so recap back and if the listeners want to get back into that episode it was november 9th and it's called the the uh the mysteries in the history episode of our podcast and i know on that you you had talked about you were really concerned with uh you know texas oklahoma western kansas all winter not not receiving the the snowfall or the precipitation and i think you nailed that one and then Mm -hmm. we you were really talking about high precipitation of snowfall in the sierra nevadas uh, moving up through the Rockies and coming across, you know, basically uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, and running that 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 border with Canada to the east. And I think you freaking nailed all that and talked about how we're going to have a cool spring, especially if they got that much snow cover and and you know bringing that cold moisture down from the north. So all of that has kind of worked out. I think exactly how you said it was going to be. And the one piece with that then was talking about the, the Gulf air now and the moisture coming off of the, the Gulf of Mexico and coming up. Do you see that going to be a factor which will separate that moisture from the west and the east? And is that why you're seeing maybe in the east and that we'll just look at normal sporadic rains because we're not in that full El Nino? Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to describe it is, is that the consistency is going to be hard to find this summer over large, large acreage, meaning, you know, you're going to get pockets of dry and pockets of good. Um, and, I, and I do think that the Gulf of Mexico moisture this this summer does have the chance of being shunted a little bit more into the southern and, and eastern areas as that comes up. And that's why some parts of that central Corn Belt you know, and when I'm talking Central Corn Belt, you know, I'm talking about Illinois, Indiana, uh, maybe parts of Ohio and and maybe even southeastern areas of Iowa kind of being in that pocket where the 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 consistency isn't as good as it may be is during a, a normal summer. Um, and the reason of that is, is that we're just not fully formed yet with the expected El Nino pattern. So you, you get kind of a hodgepodge of of the weather you know, during the course of the growing season. But the, the, the overall writing message is, is that the, the mechanism responsible for the last two and a half, three years of, of really dry conditions in some areas, the main driver that caused that's gone, it's going away. So we should see better conditions. It's just, uh, it's to use the word sporadic and i mean it's probably a good one is what we should expect this growing season 
so we we can uh, we can count on more of the and I, I I just keep referring back to what we talked about because that's the only education that I really have is that what we talked about last time and we were talking about the the large global picture and the El Nino and La Nada and La Nina but then we talked about the micro and climates within that then and how the snowpack can affect that and so let's you know right now we were talking about the big picture again can we bring that down to more of the microclimates then and you know all obviously all the snowpack that was in the dakotas uh or just snow cover in the dakotas that got melted off late because those guys were delayed this spring from cold and then all of that snowpack in the west uh, how is that going to affect what you see also well, that's, that's a good point to bring up. I will tell you that soil moisture plays a really big role, especially with those microclimates. You know, you talk about the Dakotas and all the snow cover they had. I mean, I remember, you know, not that long ago, seeing satellite imagery of still a lot of snow on the ground in eastern areas of South Dakota. That soil moisture, both, let's say, up in the Dakotas, that soil moisture that just got added, in far western Nebraska, eastern Wyoming, as well as the good soil moisture that's coming in out of the Rockies, that evaporation that just naturally occurs of that moisture going back into the air can affect things in two ways, make things a little cooler, but also make it a little bit easier for those thunderstorms to form in the summer season. When you have more available ground moisture, that really, really helps. So what will tend to happen is the areas that were wetter this winter and and this spring, especially with these recent rains, do stand a better chance of, of getting those afternoon and evening thunderstorms that are a little bit more productive. So it's one of those situations where the rich get richer, so to speak, mm-hmm. where the ground is more wet. Those areas are going to be more susceptible to getting those thunderstorms this summer. And then those areas with poor soil moisture, you know, it gets a little bit harder. Um, and, and that's what you see when you look at the soil moisture profiles in central eastern nebraska southwest kansas central kansas um you know those areas that are still really with a big soil moisture deficit are just gonna have a harder time this summer um so that's you know and really the next four weeks are critical if there can be some good early june rains that certainly bodes well for july and august and and that's something that we just haven't had the last two summer seasons is that good may june precipitation pattern to help you know get us through the last half of the growing season just just need a little moisture on the ground to kind of prime the pump and once the soil that's you get get the exactly yeah what what did you know adam mentioned snowpack and you mentioned snowpack in the rockies what does that look like right now as far as you know expected river flows coming out of the for summer i mean that's important for a lot well, of growers you know, it, it should be making more headlines i mean get this late at as of yesterday, I checked, Lake Mead is going up three feet a day. Um, Lake Powell is going up a foot a day. And that's with a ton of snow still yet to come out of the, the key areas. Um, so, you know, the, the amount of water that's going into the reservoirs is, is significant and obviously a major turnaround from some what you've been hearing on the news over the last couple of years. And with, and El Nino coming on, I think they're going to be able to put back-to-back good snowpack seasons in the same areas that had the big snows. I mean, it's really hard to say there'll be more snow the next year than what we just saw this year. Um, but I do think it'll be back-to-back good years. So 
definitely the reservoirs are getting recharged. And um, I mean, that's good news for everybody um, in terms of water and everything else in, in some parts of the United States. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a direct benefit um, from just evaporation of that moisture back into the air. That just adds more to the equation. Um, but for folks who are irrigators, um, this is this has been a, just a banner year. Yeah, the, I imagine the reservoirs in Wyoming are going to be brimming full. I, I I can imagine, huh? The one, yeah, the ones the, that come the, out of there, the, and then they know, come both in. the South Platte, both the South Platte and the North Platte basins. Uh, the reservoirs. There were a couple of the bigger reservoirs that were drawn down pretty good that will fill first, but um, the there should not be any uh, water concerns for irrigators, especially along the North Platte. Yeah, that's that's an important river for irrigators in Nebraska, that North Platte. Yeah, well, I know certainly. I was just by the plant here the last couple of days driving across it. And man, there is some really good water flow going through it right now. And I think it was I'd have to pull up my photos again. But gosh, I was thinking it was the second week of June last year. It was already running. It was dry between uh, oh, I, <laughs> Gothenburg and Minden area. You know, I don't know where that where that flow goes or how it kind of goes underground water channels but yeah i mean a month from now it was completely dry last year yeah it was pretty stark temperature wise you think we might have a milder summer than you think don yeah i don't think it's going to be as hot i mean are we going to have hot stretches absolutely we always do uh but com this summer compared to the last two should not be as hot um i mean if you look at the temperatures we had in the summer 21 and 22 pretty darn hot and well above average um but the, the what we're seeing is is that we don't see prolonged heat and i think when you when we add up the numbers at the end of the day let's say from from june 1 till august 31st they'll be pretty close to average is is, is my guess um for i would say the the dakotas nebraska uh most of iowa eastern areas of wyoming um, and, you know, a lot of that does have to do with that soil moisture that's that's early, uh, early in, in the season. Uh, that feedback process of moisture evaporating back into the air does act like a little bit of an air conditioner. So if you've got dusty, dry ground second half of June, boy, that means a hot July and August usually. Um, so so the, this you know, next several weeks, I think, will be important to do that. But I don't see a hot signal uh, coming on up for this summer. Okay, well, let's let. How about uh, one thing that's still on people's mind is uh, it was this exact date a year ago, the twenty second, that we froze really hard. You know, froze off yes, a bunch of beans. What is what is our our frost our late frost warning across the central U.S. Anything? Well, it looks like the the cold the coldest temperatures relative to the average for the rest of May will be further east. In fact, they had record cold in Pennsylvania this weekend. There were temperatures that dropped down in the twenties. I mean, for those Ooh. folks, that is just really unheard oh, of. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the way the pattern is right now, that's where the coldest relative to average, the cold anomalies are going to be further east. I mean, some of you folks have probably heard about, you know, the Alberta wildfires. And 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 one reason why it got so warm and dry up in Alberta was we got into a blocking pattern um in in late April that's really continued up here till till just recently they're starting to see some rain this week in fact they're gonna get some really good rain here over the next 48 hours that'll help but there was a pattern that set up that realigned things 
180 from what we had for most of the winter that brought us most of that cold. So, so we do not see the rest of this month or into early June a significant frost or freeze threat, unlike we had a year ago. So I, I think we're kind of over the hump in terms of having to worry about that. Oh, that's great. That's good news on that. Yeah. And then so fairly mild temperatures, sporadic moisture through June and July. Uh, August could just be uh, average to below average temperature August and then watch out maybe late September October turn in the precipitation on right when we get into harvest then is that what you're telling me Don <laughs> something to think about yeah. I mean and we could circle back later and, and and you know do an update as we get closer to that time frame but one thing that does happen that we haven't seen a lot lately I've had several people say well it seems like fall starting later it seems like you know we we, we get these extensions of fall, you know, well, really summer extending into fall. And that's really been true over the last three years. But um, I'm fully expecting that by fall, the, the El Nino to be really, really kicking into gear and going back to the, the mysteries and the history. Mm -hmm. So you go back and you look at the El Ninos when they really come on in the fall. You do tend to get those early snows. You do tend to get those early cold fronts. You don't have that extended summer that goes into late september and october that we've seen over the last couple of years so your concerns are well founded that you know at the end of the season that you know maybe there's an early season snow or cold event something to keep an eye on yeah well i want to give a shout out to our local expert uh, chase Sauter, who in a text here not too long ago he mentioned something about the first full moon in September. If we make it through that first full moon in late September without a freeze, we usually get another 20 to 30 days of the growing season. But then he said the bad news is there's actually a full moon like August 31st this year. Does any of that make sense, Don? Like between the moon cycles on when we get those, you know, those real cold nights and the freezes coming in? Well, you know, I have had, you know, Chase is not the only one who I have heard this from before, you know, so I, I do know that uh, I've got a, a barley farmer up near Powell, Wyoming, who who goes on those lunar cycles and is is a firm believer in them. Do I think there could be something to that? You know, possibly it, it but it would have less to do with the moon as opposed to the moon being like a clock. And when the when these the, the these moon phase changes and where they are in the calendar over a long period of years may actually be somewhat synced up with these Pacific cycles. Um, and it may just be by chance uh, or maybe there's something else going on, but I don't poo poo those. I don't, I don't immediately just say, Oh, that's crazy talk because there actually could be something to it, but don't have, <laughs> I can't explain to you the exact mechanics of it. Right. Uh, or why it is, other than my my suspicion is uh, the the lunar cycles and the calendars and when they happen during certain times of the month just may overlay with these larger scale patterns. Well, we'll definitely on my calendar. Yeah, <laughs> and see well, if it's right. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we need we need to look into that because again, though, what you know, Don, what you had said plus what uh, some of these other guys are talking about with the full moon and the lunar cycle does point to maybe a shorter fall, you know, earlier frost coming in and maybe not getting that extended uh, fall weather like we have to really finish these long season corn hybrids out. 
So it's a little concerning because we have been going off the last three or four years worth of data that we've been getting very favorable falls to to really pack on bushels. And if that does shorten up, I mean, that's something we've got to be aware of. Absolutely. Yep. No doubt. So, I, so I, I'm thinking, uh, what, do you, what do you think, Don? Maybe uh, first week of August, we get back together and kind of see, would you know by, by the first of August – kind of what that next three month uh you know september october november patterns really should be by that point you know by by christmas time i should be able to tell you what happened between uh, october and december (laughs) (laughs) you know the only thing better than the mystery and the history is knowing the history right there you go no no i think early august would be a good time to circle back yeah because we should start to see you know, is I hate to say this, but, you know, August isn't that far away, but August is when we do start to look at maybe what the winter's going to do. So that would be a good time. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of these things are, you, you always want to control the controllables and some of these aren't, they don't feel like they're controllables. I mean, you know, how do you control the weather in the fall and you, you end up with a cloudy, wet, cool harvest, but uh, at least be aware of it and you can make, maybe make some proactive changes to deal with it yeah and then let's circle back one thing you do tend to see with the first system of the fall uh the first couple is is you do see a weather pattern change where you do have some heads up it may not be as long of a heads up as you want but you know some sometimes seven to ten days out the writing's on the wall that here's you know it's coming well just looking at our local forecast i think starting tomorrow I mean, there's pretty good rain chances from Tuesday through Friday for a big portion of Nebraska. Is that, can you give us just a quick like seven day outlook too of what, you know, central U.S. looks like? Because again, it it seems like the moisture is sticking to western Nebraska, maybe the panhandle uh, coming up a little bit corner of, of Kansas, western Kansas getting a little help, but it seems like the east Again, western Iowa and uh, eastern Nebraska has been really short so far. What's the next seven day? Yeah, what I think you're going to see is is, so the way the pattern is right now is um, there is a natural flow from the south of some higher moisture content air that uh, is just going to be funneled into those central and western parts of Nebraska here to start the week. But it should slowly migrate a little bit more to the east um by the the second half of the week um so i do think that uh, the chances of rain getting just about everywhere is pretty good but it's not going to be all at once it's going to be kind of a gradual shifting uh, of the rain the rain chances being higher starting west and going east um and then as we go in go into next week um, I think it's somewhat of a similar pattern to where the the opportunity for temperatures to be consistently warm with these occasional showers and thunderstorms uh, looks to be looks to be a good bet. So what I'm saying is, is that if you don't if you're not happy with the results of the weather this week, you've got another week to where you might get to get those rains you want. But going back to what you said earlier, the rich are going to get richer, the poor are going to get poorer, that we may end up seeing the same sporadic patterns, same locations yes. too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a risk. Okay. Well, let's circle back to the wildfires real quick. I want to get back to that one about the the wildfires up in Alberta because 
that was a phenomenon in Nebraska that I have never seen in my lifetime anyway, to have that dense of smoke across such a large geography for such a long period of time. I mean, you're talking probably 40 hours and it looked like that maybe a, a, a warm or a high pressure front was coming down and just brought it and let it sit in central U.S. Is that right? Or, or what, what happened there and how long yeah, is that going well, to carry over? So the, that, that plume of smoke, you know, was, was building up under a high that was up into Canada. What, what was interesting is while we were getting these, that really wet pattern that we had a couple of weeks ago, um, while that low pressure center was just slowly moving through the West at the same time, on top of that low was this huge high up in Northwest Canada. So, that high basically trapped the smoke up there and allowed it to really build. Um, and then we had a low that uh, came down just wet to Hudson Bay and that low kind of acted like a broom and it just pushed that smoke out of Alberta and just pushed it right into Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas and across Nebraska. So it was, it was kind of like a smoke plume that had been building with the smoke having nowhere to go. And then all of a sudden that broom came in and just pushed it right on through. Um, and so, you know, that's one reason why it was so thick, so widespread. And at the same time, the reason it was around for 48 hours or so, it was just so extensive. I mean, it was a huge smoke plume um, yeah. that came out of those wildfires. So yeah. now I do think that uh, with the rain, they're going to be getting here over the next 48 hours and better weather up there that we should not see that happen again hopefully um so i think that was probably the worst of the smoke and hopefully the next couple of weeks we'll get the upper hand on those fires yeah but it was just like adam said it was just so intense um i couldn't even imagine uh that level of smoke you know if our corn happened to be in pollination and setting kernels that would have been pretty hard on the corn at that time yeah and i guess that's where i was kind of coming back to a little bit because just it, so it so Friday was terrible. Saturday, uh, late afternoon, just, well, no, it's Thursday was terrible, right? And then Friday was mm -hmm. okay. Saturday was beautiful. But then yesterday and today, um, we've just been getting this haze again. And it's not cloud cover. It's not, doesn't seem to be overcast. So I'm wondering if that smoke's still lingering around. Yeah, that, that yeah. And we can see that on the satellite imagery. It's, it's, it's certainly thinning out and you're kind of on the Western edge of it. So okay. that haziness might be around for another day or two. Okay. But then obviously with all the snowpack and, and uh, the, the moisture that the West has gotten back to Mike's point is I'm, I'm thinking about August. And a lot of times we get those Western wildfires that really screw up a lot of our corn you know photosynthesis in late august and predicting looking at where we came from we shouldn't really run into high fire risk going into august should we yeah we we shouldn't and and this is one wild card that needs to be talked about more often is, is that and, and i don't know how those wildfires started in alberta but nine out of 10 of these wildfires historically are humans caused. And so um, a lot of time people want to just jump on the weather and blame the weather for the wildfires. Uh, and certainly there's no question that weather plays a really big role in them. But um, we could have a perfectly fine August. We've, we've got all this snowpack. We should have 
lower fire danger than we've seen before. But if we've got people uh, starting these, that is is always uh, so I can tell you that the weather should be favorable for less wildfires, certainly this year. Um, but I can't I can't forecast that human element, um, you know, and right. I've got personal experience from a, from a wildfire where I live that was that was human caused and ended up becoming the largest wildfire in Wyoming history. And it had nothing to do uh, with the weather. Someone started it. And so that's, that's the one thing that, that I can't, that I can't uh, forecast. Although I can forecast human stupidity as being pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On a, well, on a percent, a, yeah. A percentage, I believe that increases almost every year too. Yeah. <laughs> Seems that did, way. Did you uh, look at the national weather service uh, map out of Denver this morning, Don? No, uh, I didn't. It showed all this purple and it's, and they said it's the cutworm moths coming across. Oh. They must be going to the Rockies to uh, migra- migrating towards the Rockies for summer. <laughs> it was just all this purple showing up as weather, but it was just, I think it's army cutworms, right, Adam? They are, the Miller yeah. moths. And, and the thing is, is that you know that the, the Miller moths are absolutely just a scourge um, in, 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 the, in the front range areas. And if you don't have that late season cold, you know, you talked about where we were a, a year ago in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, if you get that that late season cold, it really cuts down on those moths, cuts down on it dramatically. But if you had um, if you had sort of a wet winter and and a spring that wasn't too cold to have a late season freeze, those moths in numbers just skyrockets. Yeah, this so, is so this yeah, is a... having them show up on radar is is something that is something that I'm not surprised. Well, the, the, I mean, let's talk about that just a little bit here before we end the show is um, we we did have a colder winter uh, uh, and more precipitation. And our April, besides the first, call it 12 days, was significantly below average. And all of these insects go off temperature for the most part, right? right we we are seeing a lot more early insect pressure um you know especially from the cutworms or or any of these migratory insects too or even weevil in the alfalfa aphids in the alfalfa you know why are we seeing more insect pressure seem earlier in the spring when in reality it should be opposite with the cold right uh, it may be a timing thing. You know, you mentioned April. Oh, there was that seven-day period in April that was really warm. Um, and, you know, it was then followed by really cold again. So I don't know if the if the uh, heating degree day accumulation uh, in that section of April that was warm was just timed correctly to bring those insects along quicker Um you know that that would be my guess yeah that, um, that was my guess too i was hoping you had a little more science to it <laughs> <laughs> we're both guessing <laughs> yeah yeah i don hey man i really appreciate this and i want to wrap it up with just one one quick thing about just a follow-up make sure i'm listening to this right take it you know for our customers out there the growers that are listening you know take advantage of every day that you've got to get your herbicide sprayed because 
we don't know when storms are going to be popping up coming through if you're going to get rain not rain but it doesn't look like a real uh, constant pattern of anything yet so take advantage of every day uh, I would really look at maybe getting my if if I'm doing irrigation pipe things like that let's be on the front end of that because sounds like maybe June and July we're going to be watering so where it's dry it's probably going to continue to stay dry where we've gotten decent rains we may continue to get decent rains but don't count on anything is that what i'm gathering yes sir uh, that's a good way to summarize it all right and then we'll revisit maybe in right. august and see what that late august going into pre-harvest looks like let's do it yep appreciate it don i know our listeners really appreciated our last episode and, and uh, we appreciate your time so thank you very much thanks for having me